God again tonight. Amen. We're talking about growing in Christian character. Amen. And our theme scripture is Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Amen. If we live in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. Amen. Are you in the Spirit? This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Now, we was talking last week a little bit about our Christian character. And I, as we said earlier, it seems like God is, is the theme that God is putting us on this pathway because I believe he wants us to realize the value and importance of this moral fiber that we are to have within us. And as we become the children of God, if you notice uh, the New Testament, we are, we're constantly called to leave certain things. Therefore, leave the principles and let's move on to perfection. You got to be what God is looking in each of us to become. And we can't wait around and not study and prepare ourselves. We've got to get ready to move on forward to become more like Christ. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. So you, we've got to get a hold of the mind of Christ because God wants to do great things in every one of our lives. He did not save you to sit on a pew. He saved you to, to be in ministry, to go forth and to share the gospel. The Great Commission does not change. Amen. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents if they drink any daily thing. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. You've been given power. You've been given power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall harm you. So to be a Christian is to be a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Now we know through scripture that Jesus Christ is holy. Amen. He's, a, he's, he's, he has no sin. He's, he's, has no trickery or guile, any of these things. And so we have to pattern our lives after him. Jesus tell us that the thief comes not but for the steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Satan is out to take your life. He's out to destroy you. So therefore, we have to learn how to live. As we was finishing up last week, we saw that most people don't know how to live. Amen. We've got to learn how to live. You know, working yourself to death ain't living. <laughs> Having stress isn't living. Amen. You, you've got to realize that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You've got to get to a point that you make up your mind that I am not going to let the world overpower me. I'm not going to allow the world to bring me down and push me down that I walk around with low self-esteem when God says, I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Amen. So we have to realize that the character traits that God puts in us is designed to elevate us, is designed to reveal us to a lost and dying world of who he is. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is really the character of God. 
We learn to love God. We learn to love one another the way that he tells us to love one another. Amen. We have to have joy in our lives. Joy and happiness is not the same thing. I give you $25, you'll be happy. But after you spend it, you're going to be sad again. Okay, but you you need to learn how to have joy in your life. Things that, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be able to lose your joy. There should always be something inside of you that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, that you always realize that Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen, as Isaiah said. So therefore, I've got to realize with Jesus Christ, I should be able to pick myself up and know that he's with me at all times. Amen. He's a good God. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Amen. And I have to learn how to have some self-control. But more than all of that, as we was looking at last week, when we was talking about ethics, when we come down to ethics, we've got to learn how to make right choices, right decisions, to be right, and to do right. Amen. And this is where we want to pick up again uh, tonight. We was talking about ethics uh, last week, amen, ways to grow in our ethical uh, ethics, amen, and how to be ethics. We want to be good role models, amen. And the more of Christ we put in us, the more of Christ is going to be revealed in us. That's why the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my pathway. Amen. So God's word gives us instructions. It gives us directions and how to live. Paul writes into Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. He says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections and instructions in righteousness, that the man of God shall be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So God wants you to be complete, and so he gives you his word to help us to become complete. Because in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. So when we're putting the word of God in us, we're putting Jesus in us. And the more Jesus goes in us, the more Jesus is going to come out of me. Amen. And this is why you have to study to show yourself approved unto God. Workmen that need if not be ashamed, rightly divide in the word of God. Who's your role model? Okay, or then are you following? If Jesus is your role model, then most people, whoever your role model is, usually they act like that. They try to become like that. So if Christ is your role model, you have to ask yourself, am I patterning after him? How many people you see walking around with Air Nikes and Air Jordans and all this stuff on? They want to be like Michael Jordan, right? They want to be like Kevin Durant. They want to be like Stephen Curry. And uh, uh, what's that great quarterback name over there, Chad? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going to say Dak Prescott or somebody, did you? Or cousins or somebody. All right, okay. All right. <laughs> but whoever our role model is, that that's 
who we usually try to pattern after. And as a result of that, we start taking on those characters. We try to learn about them so that when somebody asks us questions about them, we have an answer. So Jesus should always be all of our role model. Say, And so therefore, we should pattern ourselves after him. We should all be good role models because everybody is looking after us. How old are you, sir? Thirteen. Do you know people are looking at you? What grade are you in? Seventh grade. You know all the sixth graders down is looking at you when you go to school? People don't realize that. You always look at the other upperclassmen. You, know, you do. I used to do it. Oh, man, I can't wait till I get to seventh grade. Wow, look at them. Look at them. You know? It seems like the older the kid is, the more they know, you know, and so you try to pattern. So if the kid's up higher is doing wrong, little kids do wrong. Parents do wrong, the kids do wrong, right? Think about it. So we're, we, we, whether we realize it or not as Christians, we're all role models. Somebody is watching us. You ever seen little kids in church? First of all, they might be playing. And all of a sudden, you see them running the aisles, they're clapping their hands, they're lifting their hands, they're closing their eyes. They're pr- Where are they getting that from? They're watching other people. See? So, therefore, we're becoming role models to them. See? So, therefore, knowing that people are watching us, we have to be on our best behavior. We have to set good examples for them to emulate. Amen. And we have to help develop them ethically. That's why to be ethically is to be right versus wrong. And so, therefore, you want to always allow people to see you doing what is right as a Christian. You don't want people to see you doing wrong as a Christian. Because if they see you doing wrong as a Christian, what is that going to say? They ain't no Christian. They're hypocrites. Say, that's why you've got to do right. That's why James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that know to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. If I know to do right and I don't do right, it's sin. And the wages of sin is? But the gift of God is? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We know what to do is right. The Holy Ghost lead us and direct us to do what is right. That's why it's important that we study the Word of God. Hide the Word. That's why David said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart, so I won't sin against you. Say, we have to let the Word of God be doers of it so that we don't sin. We have to avoid creating ethical dilemmas of having people to do things that we know is wrong. So we want to make sure that we do the right thing. See, ethics can be summed up in one scripture, Matthew seven twelve. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you what is known as the what? The golden rule. Amen. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. How you want to be treated, you learn to treat other people the same way. Amen. This is important. So we need to stop sometimes and put the other shoe on the other foot. 
somebody else's shoes. Walk in somebody else's shoes. Before we judge them, let's put their shoes on and see. Amen. So etiquette is doing the right things all the time. We don't jump churches. We don't, you know, I, I was talking about this last week. Say, the best way if you want to change a church is do it right. See? And that's to go talk to the pastor of the church you're at. You know, and says, you know, I think I want to go to a different church. Okay, what a church you want to go to? I want to go to the church of the knock on the wall down the street. You know? Okay, why do you want to go to the church on the knock on the wall down the street? Well, I don't think I can stay here anymore. Okay. Do you know anything about the church down the street? You know? Why would you like to go? You know, I'm not going to try to stop you because I'd rather for you to be saved down there than to sit here, be bored, and not be saved. Because, see, if your attitude effect here is like cancer in in the body, say, pretty soon you're going to affect someone else. Say, so you, you do it right with a letter of transfer. Say, we give you a letter of transfer and send you to the other church. That way you leave on good terms. Nobody is angry. Nobody is upset. You can go to the new church on the wall and have a good time. We still love each other because we're still brothers and sisters, whether you like me or not. And you can't get to heaven without me either way. <laughs> you know? You see? So we have to do things legally and right. Okay? That's, that's how you do it. Amen. And so that's being ethically. You don't want to to just up and go and and have all kinds of issues. Okay? You you want to make sure you're on good good terms. Amen. So get it all settled in your heart and in your mind how you want to do this thing. Amen. So when we look at the story of David and Bathsheba. Amen. David and Bathsheba is a story really of unethics. It was unethical, everything that David did. Amen. And by the law, he should have been stoned. He should have been killed. But God forgave him. Amen. Everything he did was was unethical there. Amen. So therefore is a lesson to learn. Joseph's brother selling him into slavery and then lying to his father was unethics. Amen. Jezebel. Writing a note and having Naboth killed for his vineyard for her husband Ahab were all examples of unethics. Amen. Eli's sons standing outside of the temple, you know, making people do things that wasn't right, fornicating with the people coming to church was all examples of unethics. See? So therefore, these things are there, Paul says, for our learning. Amen. So that we learn how to do right. Holiness is basically no more than being ethical. Amen. You hear me say it all the time. Holiness is not what you wear. It's who you are. If you are unethical, you're unholy. (laughs) Amen. So you've got to learn the importance and the value of being ethical. Amen. Let's look at Exodus chapter number 20. You know, we look at the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, 
Start with verse uh, 7. Now let's drop all the way down to 12. Go to 12. Go to 12 real quick. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In other words, God says respect, honor, and respect your parents. Thou should not kill. Anybody want to be killed? You don't kill nobody else. Thou should not commit adultery. Thou should not steal. Thou should not bear false witness against thy neighbors. Thou should not covet thy neighbor's house, nor thy neighbor's uh, wife, nor manservant, nor maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. See? So therefore you can see the ethical possession here is how God desires us to treat other people. That's why those six commandments is your relationship to me and my relationship to you. See, I must learn how to treat you, and you must learn how to treat me. We do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. Amen. Look at Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter number 19. Leviticus 19. We'll start with verse 11. 11 through 18. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. Anybody like to be lied to? So you don't lie to other people. Amen. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor. Neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Amen. So you hire somebody, pay him. <laughs> Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God. I am the Lord. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in, in thine heart. Thou shalt in thy any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So notice here what God is trying to get us to see. Don't do wrong. Amen. Don't defraud. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't kill. You know, these things is the things that we have to learn how to do as the children of God. Amen. We don't continue to do wrong. See, God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. Amen. And so, therefore, if we're taking on his character and his nature and we're saying we're Christians, we've got to do what he's saying in his word. This is what James tells us. Don't just be a hearer. The word is designed that once you hear it, to make adjustments in your life. Because God wants you to be like him. Amen. Proverbs 11.1 talks about a just balance. 
we got to be fair. We've got to be equal. I don't treat him one way and you a different way. I must be equal in my dealings with people in my life. Amen. We've got to realize this. Amen. Proverbs 12.4 talks about the virtuous woman. A lot of times you look at Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman. But Proverbs 12.4 says what? A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but a she that makes shame is rottenness in his bones. Amen. You've got to do right. You don't want to cause shame here. A wise woman is virtuous. Hello? Amen. So we want to be ethical in everything that we do. Learn to do right. Cease to do wrong. Amen. Come, let's reason together, saith the Lord. The standard for the Christian must be a higher standard than what the world. The world is always going to do wrong. The world is always going to lie. The world is always going to cheat. Amen. But not you. You are born again. The old man has been forgotten. You buried the old man. Therefore, we are risen to do what? Walk in newness of life. So therefore, we must set our affections on things above and not on the things of this earth. Amen. When we look at Second Peter 1, 5, Peter says, add to your faith virtue. In other words, as soon as you get faith in Jesus Christ, the next thing you want to add is moral excellency. You've got to learn right from wrong. And that's where the scriptures helps us constantly. We've already looked about getting wisdom, get knowledge, get understanding. It'll keep you, it'll preserve you. And all these things has got to be done right. Amen. So if I am a Christian, then therefore I got to learn how to do what is right. Hebrews 4, 2, verse 1 through 4 tell us that therefore we ought to give most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Amen. Don't let it go. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Amen. Wisdom and instruction and understanding. Get it. Don't let it go. These things we're teaching, you got to get a hold of it. And don't let it go. It's designed to do what? Bring you to completion in Jesus Christ. It's designed to get you to the other side. Don't let him slip. For if the words spoken by angels were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing witnesses, both of signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and the gift of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. So the plan of salvation was repent. Notice the first thing you've got to do is turn around. You can't keep doing wrong and expect good to come out of it. It just doesn't happen. Amen. Nor for anybody, we reap what we sow. Therefore, we need to learn to do good. It came with the Holy Ghost. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. So if we don't learn to do good, we're going to always keep doing wrong. 
And be sure, Scripture says, your sins will find you out. And the wages of sins is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He wants you to live forever. He went to Calvary so that you would live. Amen. So one of the purposes of the Bible is to teach us how to live life. It's basic instructions before leaving the earth. That's what the Bible is designed to do. It's basic instructions. It teaches you how to be excited and live a righteous and holy and outstanding life. As the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1.9, he says, Don't ever let this word depart out of your mouth. For so do it, you shall be strong, and you'll have what? Good success. Amen. You will have good success if you just do what the Word of God tells you. You want to be successful in life? Do what the Word of God says. That's what God desires for us, to be successful. He wants you to go all the way. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Amen. You remember what he says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55? He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. He says, my thoughts are higher and my ways are higher. He says, as the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and water the earth and return not thither, but make it the bud that it may give seed to the soil and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please it, and shall prosper in the things whereunto I sent. And he says, and you shall go out with joy, and you shall be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will break forth in the singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorns shall come forth the fair tree, instead of the bride shall come forth the murder tree. And it shall be a name for the Lord and an everlasting sign that will never be cut off. Think about it. The word is to change you. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is what? It's perfect. It's complete. What does it do? Convert the soul. See? It converts you. The Word changes you. That's why you got to do what it says. God knows what you need to be. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're facing. So He says, here, let me give you some directions. Give instructions to a wise man. He'll be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he'll increase in learning. Amen. Proverbs 9 and 9. Amen. God has given us the instructions we need through his word to be successful in everything. That's why you you don't see God. God he, he isn't wrong. God is a God of righteous. He's right in everything that he does. And I can't say I'm his and keep doing wrong. The righteousness of God is the white linen of the saints of God. If you want to be robed in white linen, you've got to learn how to do right. On his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
So the word of God is to teach me. This is why ethics is so important. It's doing right. Learn to do right. Learn how to live right. That's what it's all about. That way you don't have to hang your head and be shamed. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Lord of of, of Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. See? God reached down. He pulled us out. So let's do what is right. It's not hard to do right. The enemy will try to get you to do wrong all the time. Because that's what your flesh wants to do. But somewhere we have to mature, as we've talked a few months ago, in ourselves to realize that something greater is in me. Something more precious is in me. And I think the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. See? So we have to realize these things. There's a higher standard. Isaiah says there's a highway up there. (laughs) And none can walk up there but the pure in heart. The wayfaring man and the sinner cannot cross. Say, it's a highway. And you know what it's called? Holiness. He said there's a highway there and it's called holiness. Say, purity. Undefiled. Right. God's got some very high standards. But you know what? They're easy standards. That's the problem. (laughs) He's really kind of made it too easy for you if you want to look at it. Because, see, his standards are so easy and high that people keep trying to find stuff wrong with it instead of just doing it. See, he's designed to give us life. He wants you to be successful. Amen. Everything you have need of, God's got it. You can have all kinds of excitement and joy right where you are. You don't have to do all the foolishness everybody else is doing wrong to be excited and have joy. Do right. Live right. Be right. So that you understand, we ought to train, be teaching ethics by our lifestyle as Christians. My life should be a reflection of truth and righteousness in the way of life. Man, come on. You reflect more by your lifestyle and what you do than what you say. We ought to be doing these things that are written in the Bible instead of asking, do I have to? How many times people say, do I have to do this? Can I do this and still make it? Just do it. I get to do it. I ought to do it. Amen. Praise God. God wants us to be what he wants. What's the purpose here? That you might walk worthy 
of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Paul goes on to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. I meant 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, 4, 1 through 7. He says, furthermore, brethren, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exalt you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. He says, you've received how you should walk and how you should please God. He says, and more and more. We should be practicing every day. What can I do to please God? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently. Think differently. If things is always wrong, if, the, if it just seems like just everything is chaotic, stop. And ask yourself, is it me? Am I doing what is right? Is God trying to get my attention? Now, sometimes God might be trying to give us a wake-up call. Because whom the Lord loveth, Hebrews 12, he chasteneth. Sometimes God is going to give you a good spanking <laughs> to keep you right, to get you right, to wake you up so that you see what you ought to do. Amen. More and more, for you know what the commandment. We gave you by the Lord Jesus, Paul goes on there in First Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that even, that even your sanctification, that you should abstain from that every one of you, we saw this last week, should know how to possess his vessel. You have to know how to take care of you. You have to learn how to control what comes in and what goes out. What you hear, be careful of the ears what you hear. Be careful of the eyes what you see. Be careful of the feet where you go. Be careful of the hands what you touch. You are responsible for you. You have to learn how to control you. What do you want to be? What do you want to be in life? It's in your ball field. What does the prophet of man to gain the whole world lose his soul? See? Praise God. We've got to learn how to control this thing. You're not your own. You're the temple. The priest's responsibility was to care for the temple. You are priests and kings unto the Lord. 
So you have to learn how to take care of this. Got to keep it in good health. <laughs> Got to get out and run about 10 miles every day, right? <laughs> you, you have to learn how to possess your vessel. I mean, you got to learn how to take care of yourself. Making right choices. Making right decisions. Not making continual bad choices and bad decisions. See? This is what God's word is designed to help us. That the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise to simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure and light in the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean and do it forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey. And the honeycomb, moreover, by them are your servants, what, warned, and keeping in them is a great reward. Amen. It's a great reward. Who can understand his error? Keep back that servant from secret fault. Let not presensual sin have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and shall not be offended with the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength. And my Redeemer, say, whatever I say, God, let it be pleasing in your sight. That's why I have to learn to do right versus wrong. That's why I have to learn, as James says, let every man be what? Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Amen. Quick to hear, excuse me. Quick to hear, slow to wrath and slow to speak. Amen. We have to realize when to talk. Don't just come like a Chinese fire drill. You know, we we have to, excuse me, <laughs> but we have to learn how when to speak and when not to speak. It's all part of ethics. We have to learn. Look at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Oh, my, time is slipping right on by us tonight again, as always. James chapter 3, uh, drop down to around about verse 8, I think it is. Hebrews, then James chapter 3. James is talking about the tongue here. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, is an unruly evil, full of daily, deadly poison. So, wow, if it's full of deadly poison, then I go back to Proverbs 18.21 and I understand that death and life is in the power of my tongue. See, I can kill me, I can kill you with this. So that's why I have to know right from wrong. And remember what the scripture said in Leviticus I don't defraud. I don't become a talebearer. I don't gossip about you. I don't walk up and down the street talking about you. You know, I don't do anything to harm you. Say, I don't kill you with this thing. Say, my gossip, my talebearing can get you killed. Say, if I go out and say, Sister Michaela said you did this, I don't know how angry you get over certain things. You know, 
And then here, here comes Sister Michaela. She's walking down the street, and you see Sister Michaela, and you as hot as a red firecracker. You know, you're ready to explode, and she's coming down the street, and she says, hi, and you just push her, get away from me. And she's like, what did I do to you? And you pull out a gun and shoot and kill her. You know? That's how some things happens in the world. Because somebody tells something that was not even true. And people get killed. People get beat up. Because somebody tell bearer and tell things. You know? You hear it all the time. You know, guys on the street kill folks all the time because somebody said, man, so-and-so ratted on you. Somebody was telling this about you. And it happens all the time. See, I have to learn how to be quiet. You know, I'm not a talebearer. These six things the Lord hate. Seven is an abomination. See, so you have to be careful. James says here, but the tongue can no man tame is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, bless we God with even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. If I'm coming to praising God and I'm out gossiping about you, uh-uh. That's unethical. See? He said that ought not to be. See, I'm called to exalt. I'm called to edify. I'm called to build up. I'm not called to gossip about you and to talk about you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Amen. So we have to realize these things. He said, my brother, and that ought not to be. Does the fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? No, no. No fountain give two different kinds of water. So if I say I'm a Christian, come on. I cannot be giving out wrong stuff out of me. The Holy Ghost inside of me is pure. The Holy Ghost doesn't gossip. The Holy Ghost doesn't give bad information. The Holy Ghost don't talk about people. The Holy Ghost is not rude. It's not evil. It doesn't do that. So come on. Realize these things. What is in you? You don't send for bitter and sweet from the same fountain. If anything's coming out of you, it should be honey. Because the word of God is as honey, is sweet to the taste. It changes things. I think the Bible says, have a little honey for what else you are. <laughs> right? See, so you've got to learn what's in here. What's in here? Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, not evil, not rudeness, not bitterness, love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, a patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. All those good things, qualities are in you. Not the old guy. You buried him. He's dead. He's gone. Hello? Amen. Amen. 
You don't send forth wrong from good. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Yeah, I don't think so. Either vine figs? No, we want grapes. So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endure with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or behavior his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter Envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. From whence come war and fighting among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot attain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and you receive not, because you ask to miss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and idolatrous. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Amen. And this is manifest. The children of God and the children of the devil. 1 John 3.10 He that doeth not right is not God's. Nor he that loveth not his brother. See, you've got to have control. I don't know if why God put temperance at the end in the fruit. I don't know. He starts with love. He says, you're first going to have love, and then he says temperance. I guess maybe once you work down the line, you get love, and then it, love develops, and then love brings joy, and then joy brings peace, and peace brings patience, and patience brings gentleness, and gentleness brings goodness, and goodness brings meekness and humility, and then Self-control. Maybe that's how God has got it ordained. He's always got a plan how he does stuff. But you see, the value of self-control is you have to control you. Amen. So that you learn what to do is right. We have to learn how to live. Are you living? Amen. I want you to live. Amen. Hebrews thirteen sixteen. But to do good... And to communicate, forget not, for such sacrifices God is well pleased. Don't forget to do good. Amen. Christian ethics teach us how to live for the glory of God. Amen. The goal of ethics is to lead a life that glorify God. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, to do all to the glory of God. Such a life will have a character that glorifies God, 
results that glorify God, and behavior that will glorify God. Amen. Our life, amen, when our character is right, it will glorify God. Everything we do will glorify God. Amen. The New Testament teaches about living the Christian life shows that our day-to-day obedience as born-again Christians is an important part of the Christian life and the Christian walk. Understanding obedience correctly requires that we avoid the opposite error of legalism. Amen. Everybody want to say, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. No, it's not. Do you not know? Have you not heard? That friendship with the world is enemy with God, James says. Amen. Come out from among them and be separate. Amen. There's blessings that flows when we do right. The joy of deeper fellowship with God takes place. The joy of pleasing God. The joy of becoming vessels for honorable use. Amen. All these things. Amen. Here's a, here's a few quotes. I looked this up in, in, the, in the, my concordance the other day. Over 200 times in the New Testament, sin is mentioned 90 times. Sins, plural, is listed over 80 times. Sinner is listed 12 times. And sinners is listed 30 times. So over 200 times there's in the New Testament, there's a mention of something to deal with sins or sin. And the whole Bible is over 600 times. We find the words sin, sin, sinners, and sinners. So that many times a word is mentioned or spoken of should tell us that God takes it very serious. And we should adjust accordingly to what God desires of us to do. So as we've already learned that our ethics is about right and wrong actions. Amen. So therefore, we should work on these things to make sure that we are doing right all the time. It's about those choices that we make in our lives. Amen. Here's a ethical question. I'm going to pose to the floor and let you i got about a minute and let you have a, a quick discussion here and what you think. Amen. Let's assume, all right, here's, here's, here's the problem, and you can talk about it here. Amen. Let's assume you have discovered through a reliable third party that your best friend is cheating on his wife. Your wife asks whether you know anything about it after seeing your friend with another woman at a restaurant. Okay, got it? Would you confine in her that the cheating is going on, deny you know anything about it, or tell your friend hasn't said anything, tell her that your friend hasn't said anything about it? What would you do? Do I need to read it again? Okay, I'll read it again. 
Let's assume you have discovered through a reliable third party that your best friend is cheating on his wife. Your wife asks whether you have known, no, if you know, whether you know, excuse me, anything about it after seeing your friend with another woman at the restaurant. Would you confine in her that the cheating is going on, deny you know anything about it, or tell her your friend hasn't said anything to you about it? The last one, tell her your friend hasn't said anything to you about it. Say again. It says it's reliable. It says a friend, a reliable friend. Uh, it says a reliable friend. Say again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got I got one man over here says he would tell her, yeah, my friend, I, I've heard it. He says he wasn't. Him says that he didn't have enough information. What's over here? I hear some discussion over here. <laughs> you, you have something? Well, you said that a third party friend Okay. Alright. Alright. What about a sister Michaela? You got any comment back there? Say what? <laughs> One day. <laughs> Amen. What would I do? Well, first of all, you got to be honest. That's the, that's the important, that's the important thing is you got to be honest. Okay. Now, like brother Terry said, okay. A third party told, reliable third party told you. Your wife asked you that was it going on? So the honest thing to say to your wife is, I have heard through a reporty say that it was. Say that's being honest, and that's the overall thing is you want to be honest. If you says no, I ain't heard anything about it, that's being dishonest. Even though it's a rumor, you've heard about it. Say right. Yeah. Right. Right. But right. 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 And so if I 
find out later right. that he knew all along that his best friend was, in fact, having an affair, then my immediate, the whole basis of our relationship just went down the tubes because now I don't feel like, okay, then what else have you not been honest in? Those sort of things. Yeah. He says to me, I would rather not discuss it with you than that's fine. But if he says to me, well, he hasn't told me that, then that leads me to believe that it's not happening. Or if he gives me any halfway truth, then later on I'm going to feel like, well, wait a minute, what else is he writing about? That's just me. I'm just talking. As a white person, I'm not talking. I'm going to say, the marriage is built on drop Right. So it's not like it's, it's not like he's gossiping to me. He's helping me. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs>